Thank you for tuning in and clicking play on the first official episode of The Ryan Sullivan Show. Let's get started. Welcome to the first official episode. I appreciate you being here. This is five years in the making from 2018 to now. Over 160 episodes, celebrity guests, race car drivers, rappers, music producers, you name it. If you've been here, you know. If you don't, well, we're also just getting started. This rebrand is part of a bigger picture. It's part of our larger audience of now over 15,000 people. It's incredible to be here on The Ryan Sullivan Show. We're bringing you stories, very specific stories of audience building, fan building, entrepreneurship, and digital business. It's very specific to that. And today, I present to you my friend, Jason Nelson. He left his job at Barnes & Noble College about four years ago to pursue his dream of being a professional saxophone player. If you were interested in taking your hobby and making it into a full-time passion, a full-time job or business, then this episode is for you. So please enjoy the first episode officially of The Ryan Sullivan Show, only here, presented by Podcast Principles. Now, let's get to it with Jason. The essential Jason Nelson is back on the podcast. What's going on, man? Yo, I am back. It's it's good to be back. We were just talking about our transition. I thought it was three years ago. It was actually four years ago when I had you on the pod, and it was back in the early days. Bobcast was just a little baby. So we're definitely going to go into that today. But before we dive into this episode, you know, we have a lot to cover just for people listening and watching. You've done the national anthem on Fox News. You've done multiple celebrity weddings, and we won't, you know, name the names just yet, but we could go into that. You have an extensive background in music. You're a full-time musician, um, but not in the way that most people would know. So we have a lot to cover today. There's been a lot happening in the last four years, man. But if you would, just first tell people what you do exactly. And then I have a couple questions to start from there. Sure. So what I always like to say is that I specialize in high-energy saxophone with DJs for private events and nightlife. And that can be anything from a wedding to a bar mitzvah to a birthday party to a bar, club, brunch, winery, anything, you name it. But something that I really am passionate about is bringing the vibes and entertaining as much as possible on the saxophone instead of just playing notes. Mm. I want to definitely cover where the essential came from, but let's bookmark that (laughs) if we get to it today. So you weren't passionate about Barnes and Noble back in the day. Was that the company that you work for? Barnes and Noble College. Okay, Barnes and Noble College. Yeah, because we talked about this four years ago. Mm-hmm. Were you at still at that company or had you just were you still there? I was. Okay. Got it. I was. I left in the fall of twenty twenty. So about a year after uh the first time we spoke. Let's bring the stage back a little bit. You're in college, so Right. You went. Did you go to college? You went to college? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was it was a few years into uh, being in the workforce. OK. What did you go to college for? Marketing. OK. So you go to college for marketing. You get come out of college and you get that job right away. Or what was the kind of timeline through that? So my first job was I worked at a media agency in the city okay. uh, for six and a half months. I commuted all the way from Somerville New Jersey. Represent so, New Jersey. <laughs> so it was uh, door to door, almost two hours each way. 
and I didn't last that long because I truly just it, it was exhausting to just get to work and then tackle on a pretty demanding media fast paced New York City job. Uh, I just realized it wasn't for me. So I left to take a uh, job in the suburbs, which was a little bit slower paced. And I felt that I could really be my full self and be confident there. And I'm very thankful that a few years into me working at that company is when I discovered this industry that I'm currently in. And I truly think that if it wasn't for the amazing work-life balance that I was fortunate to have at my time at Barnes & Noble College, I wouldn't be where I am in my career because I was able to do both. Yeah, I think, I don't know, would you advise people to do this? Because I would advise people to not go full-time into their own business. I agree. At, like, at least in the start. I agree. It's just not. I would say almost at any age. I mean, obviously, if you're, you know, later on in life, if you've worked in the workforce for 20, 30, 40 years, you may have a nest egg that may allow you to do that. But when you're in your early 20s, first of all, I think off the bat, if you're not doing what you really want to do, if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? Right. Like you could die tomorrow. Like it could all be over, you know. And then number two, it's like this is the time to literally just lose everything and kind of lose it all. I'm going a little Gary V here. And I think Gary's crazy. Like, I think a lot of what I, I think he's also inspired a lot of people to like fail a lot. Like, I think a lot of people have taken his advice and then just like completely failed and kind of maybe put themselves back. But most people are not going to take the advice at all. Right. But like, would you advise, I guess you would, I would assume you would agree to in that if like having some kind of security beforehand, before you go and kind of make that jump. Having security is great in the sense that for me, it allowed me to know that even if I fail at my absolute worst, I'm still going to come out better than 99% of the population because I'm thankful to have a great support system and something to fall back on. But I do think having a lot of security can sometimes be a bad thing because it cripples people from making that leap because they're too comfortable. You and you live on your own, right? Or you live by yourself? I do. Okay. Yeah. Which is ballsy. <laughs> it <laughs> is sure. right now. Uh, especially in this economy, man. I mean, like, hey, like, this is what my uh, wealthy clients telling me. I'm not one of these real estate guys, but this is what they, you know, they, these guys know, right? And, uh, you know, what my client mentioned the other day, his name's Mark. He's got a great podcast too. Uh, it's called, called the Mac Podcast. He was telling me that when the price of a mortgage becomes, like 500 to like $1,000 more than the price to rent for the same exact place. That's when like you have to rent. And that's where we're at right now. But then also the rent is inflated. Like, so you're really like, there's no easy way, right? Like apartments are now like $500 more at least of what they would be like a few years ago. I was renting a two bedroom college apartment for a thousand a month. That's, two bedroom, two bathroom with a master bathroom. Wild. Insane, man. Wild. And uh, pre-COVID and everything, right? So but yeah, I was just, I can relate to you there because I just signed my lease last night. This will be, you know, for people who are like diehards of the show uh, or have been listening to a little bit, this is one of the last like official podcasts in this studio. But man, I was literally like, it was 1030 at night last night. I was looking through the lease and I was re I read the whole lease. It was 10 pages. And I'm like, I can't, cause it's like that resistance of being like, are you about to do this? Like you've set this up for the last like three years. Are you about to sign this lease? It's a lot, man. It's a lot of pressure. And then you have that added payment. It's different if you live in at your parents' house, you mm -hmm. know, and I, we've both done it. Yep. Um, you know, 
but it's a lot. So in that transition for you, though, to going from the, you know, having the job where you did have the time to pursue these things at night or on the weekends or whatever it might be, did you, how did you kind of navigate the pressure of just having to kind of go out on your own? Because I think a lot of people want to do it. I think most people wouldn't know what they would even do. You had a pretty clear direction, at least I'm a professional sax player. Oh, this is what I'm really good at. I'm a, I'm a pianist. I can play these instruments. I can get hired to do it. You had a verified concept, but like, how did you, it still must've been hard. It was challenging because COVID kind of set me back. I really, really wanted to leave my job in March of 2020. I was very confident that I could find a way to very close to replace my Barnes Noble College income just playing events. I would have been working a lot on the weekends for, you know, the next year to do that. But I was very confident that even while living with a roommate in uh, Somerville, New Jersey, Central Jersey at the time, I was going to be able to cover my rent just playing events and get by. And I was very excited for that because my goal in life up to that point was just to do something. If if we're going to be working till we're 60, 70 plus because of just how much you need to you know have in order to retire, I better be doing something I enjoy. At least do. one of the things that you do should be something that you're like, this doesn't even feel like work. Exactly. Do you think so? Because I commuted, I literally commuted to like, and I drive a lot for gigs. I've realized the difference between driving for gigs and driving for work work. There's a different animal, man. Way like your mindset's different in the car. And I drove to a gig for, it was a gig, but it was like a sales thing that I was doing and it was decent money. And I literally drove to like Bridgewater for, which for people who nobody knows what that is. I drove 45 minutes to an hour commute for like two days and I'm in the car and I'm like, oh my God, I can never do this again. Mm -hmm. Do you think about that? Could you ever go back to like a desk nine to five? Like, dude, I don't think, I think it's good that we did this. So then we'll force ourselves to never go back because it's the thought of it so bad. Dude, it's it's a great question. I want to say that I have the humility to if it came to it, I could go back to a desk job because I'm not scared that I wouldn't be able to get one and I'm not scared that I wouldn't oh, be able to do we it. We would murder in corporate. We would with we would our, make so with our much, mindset now. Bro, if we like if <laughs> me and you sold cars and opened like or like not open but work for like a car dealership We'd be making two hundred thousand a year, no questions asked. You know, you maybe you, you're a car guy, but <laughs> yeah. but uh, hey, the best car salesmen are not car guys. It's true. Because guess what, car guys are too honest about cars. Anyway, that's that's a take. Mm, hot Sorry, take. <laughs> no. it's off in there. But uh, but yeah, what what I was gonna say is that I I'm not scared that I couldn't go back, but anytime I ever mention that to my friends, they're always like. Dude, you are not going back to a job. You are not going back to just a job in your life. And like, so so I'm conflicted because I yep. don't think I actually will, but I could. Okay, we totally could. Yeah. But we yeah. won't. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be playing the yeah. saxophone for weddings and other events exactly how I play it mm -hmm. for the rest of my life because yeah. as COVID and just the world and the growth of everything over the past 20 to 30 years of how fast technology moves. Yep. Who knows if we're going to be doing exactly what we're doing now. Everything will change. Everything will change. We will adapt. But I, I think about that a lot, but I try as much as possible, even though I think about it, 
I try to just live in the present and enjoy what is working now because I am very thankful of how things have worked out up until this point right now. It's crazy to think about what you do for a job, right? I mean, yep. You specifically. And by the way, we're not knocking anybody who keeps working their job that they were working. My only problem, like my only real kind of dig is that if in your mind you really do want to do something else, but you're holding yourself back, that's the issue. Like if you should be in the job you're in as a nine to five and you like to come home and put your feet up and do the whole thing, like and just live like average, you should just do that. Like if you're not, if you, if that's, if that's happiness to you, man, I am not the type of person to tell you what to do. Also, there's people that retire and they don't want to do anything. They don't want to be this jacked 90 year old retired dude who can just like climb mountains. Like they just want to chill. They're, they're tired. They're old, you know? And so I'm not knocking any of the other lifestyles, but I think the problem occurs where it's like when you you in the back of your head want to do something and you never and you just continually hold yourself back from doing it. That's my that's my only thing. Like you should just try it. I agree. I agree. Just try it. Try it on a small scale. See what happens and don't worry about the money at first. Literally just have fun and do something you enjoy doing. And if you are passionate enough about it and if you are good enough about it, you're going to make money somehow. You're going to find a way. Did you ever think like, okay, I can play sax and piano like with maybe in a band or like in my room, but going out and doing it for money is a different thing. Has doing that stuff for money, has that elevated your, like has it made you a better player and made you appreciate it more? Is it two different things? Because I think a lot of artists struggle with this where, I mean, even for me with my own music, I don't really take it I don't take it as seriously as I do all this other stuff. Um, maybe I should, right? Because there's people who still listen to it and want me to do it. But, you know, I got some money for a show that I did. It was the first time ever. And it like switched my mindset. I'm like, oh my God, I could have just made money from this the whole time. And I didn't have to start a business and do this other stuff. So like, do you do you think about that? Like how the, if you never, if you just continue just to do it as your own hobby, like, you know, what that would have been like versus where you are now and, you know, maybe how much you've evolved in your in your kind of talents because well, of that. I will tell you that there's no shot in hell that I'd be able to afford my lifestyle now if I just played, you know, gigs with bands or if, you know, I played at a coffee shop or something like that or any other facet in music that wasn't um, a little bit more lucrative. And I'm very thankful that in the wedding industry, there's a reason I play mostly weddings. Yeah. So... Um, you know, it's, it's that once in a lifetime purchase that people make. And, um, I, while a lot of musicians do not want to play weddings because they are, uh, weddings require, it's, it's a little bit more pressure on you and it's a little bit more buttoned up. And if there's someone who wants to be able to curse more and be a little bit more laid back and whatnot, weddings might not be the way to go. Totally fine. I just love weddings so much that I'm going to keep doing it because I genuinely enjoy uh, that experience. And it's not for me, it's not as buttoned up as what a wedding actually is, because what I bring into it is the party factor that I'm just myself. And I know that I'm partying with people who also want to be themselves too and go absolutely crazy. So I'm just going to kind of fit into that mold and uh, just be myself and it 
it's always, always a good time. And we, we have three people here today, me, you, and Brandon, who's not on camera, but he's on the mic. Yo, yo. We have three different facets of the wedding. I'm a wedding DJ MC. You're a pro sax. You're a wedding entertainer, saxophone player, and Brandon's the wedding videographer. So the, within this kind of wedding, you know, industry, you have these, you know, different people that make this wedding happen. Sometimes we're more excited than the, not that we're more excited, like we want the wedding to happen more, but it's like, we're less stressed out than the bride and groom is. I, I have barely, <laughs> my Crazy. stress, it's true. my only stress pretty much at a wedding is making sure my saxophone works and my sax mic works. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. I am so stress-free. It is insane to just to think about the fact that so many other wedding vendors and the clients and the parents could be stressed. I, mm. I hope that they are not. Sometimes I they hide it very well. Yes. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but my only stress is just making sure that my saxophone and my saxophone equipment hooked up to it yep. work. Other than that, I am as go with the flow as I can possibly be. Things change last minute and I go, oh, cool. I'm I'm going to play this song at a different time. I'm going to play for your, you actually want me to play for your intro. You actually switched your first dance song at the very last minute. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out and just yep. go out there and wing it. I play by ear, <laughs> even it, if dude. the song is in a different dude, key. Dude, you pay this guy like three grand. He's like, yeah, my plan is I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I don't think about it that way. No, because, I know. I'm not, I'm not knocking you. No, I, I know. It's it's interesting what I think about versus what I don't. And I was I th- about to ask you, do you, are you thinking about plan, this, what you're playing when you're playing it? Or is it really full? Because I'm a musician, so I understand the flow. Like you shouldn't have to. If you think about it, you are now living in the past. The second, it's like when you're playing the guitar solo and you, I just heard John Mayer say this. John Mayer was talking about most guitarists, they're thinking about what they're going to do for the solo. So then while the solo comes, they're not in the moment, right? So there's got to be some of that with you. Are you like consciously thinking about these songs or is it really so natural? Like, is it like me with MCing where I just have to kind of go up and start talking and it'll come out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I think that, um, you know, especially with a lot of guests on the dance floor at a time. I am always watching where I'm stepping. I wear sunglasses too, so it makes it even harder to see. I sometimes have uh, earplugs in, so sometimes it makes it even harder to hear. So I'm trying to pay attention to everything else that's going on besides just the music um, because I know that there's a lot of moving parts and people are living in the moment. People are genuinely just trying to have a good time, dance, let loose. And I think about how can I do the best to elevate that? So if I see, I go from group to group on the dance floor. And if I see that you're not really fully in the moment and you're not as energetic, I'll probably back off. But if I see the group of guys that are going on the ground and like waving their hands in the air and pushing each other around to to a certain extent, I um, don't want to be in the pushing environments because, you know, drunk people, they can accidentally hit my sacks. It happens all the time. I don't want to get pushed and shoved around, but I want to be in the environments where people are going nuts 
because I know that if they're going nuts and they see me going nuts, it's only going to make them go absolutely more nuts, which is going to be one more fun, two more memorable, and three, I always think about this from the uh, photographer and videographer um, perspective, they want to get the best content possible. And I know that bringing the energy to certain groups on the dance floor is only going to make that content that much better. We love that. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. I was going to say, this is perfect. Yeah. um, It's a two-way street. Now, if anything, like, you know, there's the very cookie cutter um, schedule to a wedding, right? And you kind of know what you're going to get ahead of time most of the time. But when something unexpected happens and there's someone like yourself that brings that extra boost of energy, our cameras are are locked on you. You know, we're going to be conscious of that and we're going to get those moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And like, it's literally like... There's some weddings where you have the combo and it just it just clicks. It works. It's like the video guy's a pro. The DJ is not Mr. DJ Cooley Fresh Fresh, yep. where it's like <laughs> my playlist is fucking sick. He's not that guy. He's just a regular dude who just want, doesn't want the limelight. Give it to the bride and groom. Right. And then you have somebody like you. That's a wild card for a DJ. I mean, now we got this guy like we want you to amplify our music. Right. So then the guests can have an even better time. Like when that clicks, when the maitre d is not up your ass, when the, you know, wedding planner is, you know, not, you know, uh, planner Zilla, you know, when the (laughs) bride's not overthinking about everything that's happening. Those weddings, man, like it's the, you should basically not have to think. Like if you, if we all have to think and put our heads together at every second of this thing, like it's not going to, it's just not going to work. Like it needs to be, this sounds like, a little bit out there for people who aren't doing weddings, but especially for our age group, for people who are now getting married, you got to think about that. And that leads to the, you know, really the idea or the, I wouldn't say problem, but I guess challenge that people have of finding the talent for their weddings. You know, like you got to find somebody that fits your personality or fits the personality that you want there. And I think people lose that. I think they're like, they try to buy off price or, you know, this DJ's cheaper than that one. Yeah, I don't know how they do it because I'm on the other side of it. We all are. But, you know, you probably experienced that too, where it's like if you have to sell somebody on you, like it's probably not right. Any time that I have to, uh, you know, if I follow up with uh, clients who reach out or sorry, leads who reach out, um, if I'm following up more than twice and they haven't gotten back to me, I know that I'm not getting their business and that's totally fine. Because the clients that are booking me are the ones that are following up with me and saying, hey, Jason, I reached out to you. Uh, I I heard back once, but you said you would let me know. Are you I I get back to people very quickly. Yeah. But the clients that are booking me are the ones that are the ones that uh, it really does not take much planning and coordination and back and forth. It's just like we want you. I'm available. We're going to make it work. And that's that. And then those are the best weddings too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Where they they have to want that you. way. The more they want you, the better it's going to be too. I'm I'm very very thankful of that. Uh, that that's that's what happens most of the time. But that's why I try to um, you know anytime that I'm reaching out once or twice and I don't really hear back, I say oh okay, I move on. Yep. I know that I might not be for them. They might be on the fence. They might be, um, you know, have just saw one or two videos and thought, oh, that might be cool to have, yes. but we don't need it. Or their budget doesn't account for, you know, that type of entertainment. And that, I mean, I know we can stay for a while on the subject and I want to, but I, I just want to stress 
because I won't stay here forever, is that if there are bride and groom based weddings and then there are wedding based weddings, you know, and then there are Aunt Susie based weddings and, <laughs> and, and then there's grandma based weddings. There's mom of the bride based weddings, right? Sometimes weddings are for people who aren't the bride and groom. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they're for your guests, right? So knowing which type of wedding you're going to have is a very important, you know, thing to kind of determine before you go into this, I think. Because if you have a wedding for your guests, now the music's not about you, right? Now the entertainment's not about you. Now you're putting on a show, right? And, but you might not want that. You might want the DJ to go and click play on your Spotify playlist for three hours and, and that might be it. And that's fine, but I don't know, man. If you invite 150 people somewhere, I think it should turn up, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And one, one thing I will say is that a lot of uh, brides and grooms out there, especially in New Jersey and New York, they love the bar DJs in Belmar. They absolutely love it. I think it's an awesome bar, too. I love it. I love house music. I love the fist pumping house music. I play along to it a lot. In my opinion, the way I play the sax works best with that kind of music. I love it. Give me it a lot. But I will say that a lot from what I've heard, a lot of bride and grooms go to their DJs and say, we want to bring DJs vibes to our wedding. So they do. They Mm -hmm. give the DJ mostly house music to play. And in 90% of cases, it works. And I love it because I love playing to it. Not for grandma, but for your age, for the age group that you know it works for. Exactly. But one of the biggest things I'll say, and DJs would say this too, DJs as in the disc jockey, not the bar DJs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, DJs will say, know know your crowd, know who they are, because if, if you are having a good time, that's, that's great. But if no one's going to be on the dance floor because they do not enjoy the same music you enjoy you might be a little bit upset and wonder why no one's on the dance floor Mm. well you might have a well-rounded audience you might have an audience that loves the pop they might love the Dua Lipa they might love the throwback you know Lil Jon Lil Wayne that kind of stuff Uh, and you might have to mix it up a little bit instead of just playing fist pumping music for 25 to 45 minutes it doesn't straight. it's not gonna work for three hours uh, no. if, if you're all on molly it might work oh, for three yeah. hours and it that, might work for definitely six. happened before <laughs> not with me have you but. come across any like maybe weddings where maybe the maybe they didn't have the right kind of music vibe and like where you were you know obviously brought your energy but maybe not that the crowd wasn't into it but it just wasn't the right kind of scenario like have you came across that at all? Maybe just like you're on the dance floor and nobody else is on the dance floor or something like that. I'm not saying that that would happen, but it it has happened before. And it's definitely difficult for me because when someone books me for a set number of hours, I want to obviously do my job of, you know, I guarantee that I will be out there for dance sets, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to be out there for the whole dance set if if four people are on the dance floor and the rest of all your guests are at uh, the dessert room because it's 11 p.m. in the night 
or half of your guests left and then the others are at the dessert room and like i said there's four people on the dance floor i can't guarantee to you guys that i'm going to be out there because it's not it's going to take away from what i do best yeah it's going to be awkward and weird and i want to make my presence known when there are those very impactful high energy moments that really go pop you take it from 100 to 110 to 120 exactly And, and that's why it's going to be a little cheesier, yeah. too. Well, they also see somebody else's wedding and then they're like, I want that. And then their crowd may not be that yeah. crowd. And that, that's totally fine. Um, I have been thankful that to play some amazing, insane, awesome weddings. But it's usually the weddings that are not as buttoned up, cookie cutter planned. It's the ones that have certain formalities, but then just say we want a party and then yep. let loose and let the night play out how the night's going to play out. And it's always a good time. I have a couple notable examples here that we kind of talked about before the podcast that I think, you know, that I know you could go into. But like, do you have any specific like wedding stories or wedding, maybe a bridezilla, maybe a groomzilla? Now that we have to go into the negative side. But like, is there anything that you want to touch on in terms of like your experience in this industry and what you see? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I don't have too many bride or groomzilla. Come on, it was about to make the podcast. Yeah, bro. I know. No, I'm no. messing with you, I'm, bro. I'm messing Maybe it's not gotcha journalism. Here. The the truth is that there might be. It's actually good that you don't. I know. <laughs> I, the thing is, there might be, but yeah, every experience of a bride and groom to a vendor is going to be mm, different. You're right, and I'm very thankful. Like we talked about earlier, I think off the podcast is that my job is pretty relaxed, yep. and there's not as many things that I have to worry about in a night. And they've already seen my videos, or they've already seen me at another wedding. So they know virtually what I'm going to do and there's less planning and structure that goes yeah, on. Yeah, and then it. they're not really on you about anything because they don't, there's nothing, they can't be like, you didn't pay, play that B flat, you know? I mean, they don't <laughs> yeah. know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't know what you're doing, bro. Like they can't, nobody can do it. I don't even know what I'm doing now. I'm just exactly. kidding. But <laughs> good. That's the best way, man. It's the flow. Let it happen, you know? Let it, let it happen. My favorite clients are the ones that trust me to do what I do best, which is do what similar to DJs, how the best DJs can read a room and read the crowd and know what to play. That's, that's what I think that I uh, can do best is just read the situation, read the room and put myself where I need to put myself, where I see it fit. And if it doesn't work for a few minutes, I'm not going to go out there. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Something I will say in terms of just the overall dynamic, uh, literal dynamic, is uh, my saxophone playing. If I cannot hear your music, which doesn't usually happen at a wedding because weddings, the speakers are blaring. In a club, the speakers are usually blaring. But certain venues and certain times at a restaurant or something, you know, I've been asked to play. And I've been asked to go around to other sections of a room. I've been asked to go outside and play. And while the saxophone doesn't need a microphone, I could play it anywhere. But if you're asking me to play along to music that is going on, I cannot hear the music and do my job if I can't hear it. I'm going to be off key and off beat if I cannot hear what is going on. So it's been frustrating to me sometimes when I haven't been able to properly do my job <laughs> yeah. 
other people might not notice it, but I'm going to notice it. And I know there might be a few people that might notice it too. So when possible, I'd like to make it make sure that the music is going to overpower my saxophone and then I can always adjust. Yeah. But that happens a lot. Stay within range of the speakers. I was in a really narrow room the other day and I only had two speakers and it just the people on the other side didn't hear it and they came over. They're like, we can't hear it. I said, there's nothing I can do, unfortunately. Like, I will try to turn it up. But grandma is right here. She's sitting in the table right here. Like, I can't blast her just for you, you know, and then you'll hate this experience <laughs> you know? you'll get complaints from the other side that think it's too loud the room isn't it, it is the issue you know it's like it's not me unfortunately um sometimes it's actually you know you try to find a solution but um and you don't just do weddings i think the most notable was um seeing you on tv for doing the national anthem so can you t- talk about can you talk about how you got that gig <laughs> yeah uh, what's crazy is i still don't know exactly who at fox news found me and said to their team that I would be a good fit. I just know that they had, uh, they have or had a segment last year that they wanted to promote for national saxophone day. And it was in the heat of the, uh, primary elections, or I, I think that's what was going on last year. Something like that. I don't know, dude. There was, there was a lot of, uh, you know, very intense. The primaries, yeah, that makes sense. That political, makes sense. Yeah. um, you know, talk going on on the news at a very heated election cycle, mm-hmm. and I think they brought me in as comic relief. And uh, besides, yeah. the national anthem was not comic relief, but the segment yeah. that I played later on, where I taught the, um, you know, the broadcasters how to play the saxophone, and they all played and squeaked, and it was hilarious. I think that was for comic relief yeah, because the definitely. rest of literally the rest of the show was Joe Biden, this Joe Biden, yeah. that uh, it was, it was really negative news because yeah. that's just, I assume you're not like the, a, even a news guy in general. I, I mean, in terms of like sports news. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying like, it's not like you're a religious Fox news or a religious no. CNN and you're sitting there all day. You took a gig. I mean, I, I took a gig because I, uh, I because you love the Republican I, Party and yeah. die hard. Dumb. No sound bites there. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I seriously knew that it would be um, what it would be a crazy opportunity if I, it would be crazy if I did not take that. Yes. Um, so because the last time I played the national anthem before that was in high school. From the yes, in high school, because we had to play it at graduation when I walked all the seniors yeah. went and went all the seniors in band joined the rest of the band and I'm played so the glad National I wasn't anthem. in band back then. Why is that? Because I would never want to do that. I'm just saying I wouldn't want like I just want to be a normal person and just walk and not have to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> it you was, know, I'm like I um for me personally, mm-hmm. you know. maybe I would have enjoyed it. I used to be a used to do percussion and that would have been my thing. I played band, <laughs> I did band in high school, but not that I, I had to give it up. I, I hear you. I, I did it to a certain extent, but um, I didn't really play the national anthem for several, several years. And yeah. I was like, okay, just don't mess up because there's people all over the country that wake up and their morning routine is put on Fox News, yep. listen to the national anthem, and then go about their Wait, day. Wait, do they do the national anthem on Fox News? They do from that show, Fox and Friends, from what I heard, I'm Fox pretty sure 
that they play um, just the national. They have like a recording of it. Yeah. But they had me, so they wanted to do it live. Yeah. And sax day. I've listened to so many sax players on YouTube or live all over the country at baseball games yeah. and whatnot play the national anthem and they do like crazy riff renditions i in my head was like all right i'm gonna make this as simple as possible just play the notes don't squeak don't mess up don't laugh so you're telling me (laughs) you were on fox news playing the sax and you wanted it to be simple because their audience is a simple mind. <laughs> <laughs> None of those clickbaits. I, I have a question for you, Jason. Yeah, what's up? So we're, uh, the audience is looking at this clip of you teaching um, them how to play the saxophone. Such a badass. What, what was that experience like? Yeah. That was, I, I so going into it, I asked um, one of the producers if any of the, um, if any of the producers, or sorry, any of the announcers played the saxophone prior. No, none none of them did. None of them had really any experience. Uh, And from what I remember from when I was 10, just learning, it took me and other sax players in my fifth grade class at least a week just to get a note to come out. Because it's not like a trumpet where you can just go and like something will come out with the reed and mouthpiece alignment. It it, it requires a technique. So I was really nervous that they they rented these saxophones i install you know i i set them up for them and then nothing would happen but luckily they were able to produce a note they might have squeaked through it but so they, you were you were surprised that i was surprised yeah. uh and they put me on the spot uh and compared me to kenny g and they're like how do you get <laughs> I'm, I'm just <laughs> the gonna- only person they can come up with that. i mean Everybody too. Who? What other sax players do you? Exactly. So, uh, I remember one of the uh, announcers said, uh, "Is that what you call them? Anchors, announcers, yeah, anchors, anchors." anchors. 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 Yeah, yeah. One of them said, "How do you get to be Kenny G?" And I paused for a second and said, "Practice." Because Kenny G, I'm, I'm a big Kenny <laughs> G so fan. You're so practical, Jason. You're way too practical, dude. <laughs> Something that Kenny G is really passionate about, and you know has spoken about for his whole career is put in the work and practice. And what's funny is I do not practice the saxophone. I put in the work in my career in so many other ways than practicing how to play the saxophone. Because at this point in my saxophone career, I'm not getting any better at the instrument. And I know that and I don't care. I want to get better as an entertainer and I want to get better at weddings and doing the best i can do to bring the energy and bring the vibe to your wedding i want to play weddings all over the world i was very thankful that back in may i got to do my first international wedding uh international national what is puerto rico international to me it is yeah you don't need a passport but i'm going to aruba for a wedding next year if it's not i mean if it's not america it's international (laughs) well it's part of the u.s it's are you sure territory yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so my my point is that i i said that that was the first thing that came to me especially because i was on live television um but i i watched that back and was like did i really say that i don't even know if i believe in practice but I believe in practice yeah. in other Well, areas. it was also, they kind of put you on the spot for that anyway. They did. It was a good answer, though. It wasn't a, it was a good answer. Like, it wasn't like a, it's not like you stumbled on your words. Like, you got it. Thank that you. That was it. No, um, but that, it's a good answer in the meaning, like, if somebody took that advice, it would work. Right. 
Yeah, and what, what you just said, Jason, makes absolute sense in terms of also what uh, Sully was saying. Like, they don't know what you're doing from a musical standpoint most of the time, but they're going to notice a different from like, you know, can this guy entertain or can he not? So you honing yes. in on those skills and getting those better, your audience and your, you know, clients, they're going to notice that more than if you can hit your notes faster or more efficiently. Yes. You know what I mean? The, those things probably matter more. There's a difference between being a really good bedroom musician and then being an entertainer. And that difference is you being in front of people a lot. Like there's great sax players that can play in a band. But if you told them, come out of the band and go into the audience and now play, not a lot of them could do it. But that's because they don't have the experience. So you're, the key to your work is practice. It's just practice doing the thing that you do, not the thing that you don't do. I can sit here and wrap my whole set in my fucking garage, but it's not really, other than the memorization and really embedding it in my head, you know, you don't have a set. If you had a set, you would practice the set. Of course. Right? And you've had sets before that you've practiced. But it just depends. Like, if if I'm going to do MC a wedding versus I'm going to play a rap set, two different forms of practice. For the MC in the wedding, I need to just MC more weddings. It's experience. The, it's experience. For the rap set, I need to do it in the garage and I need to get on stage. Now I need to do both. But for you, the key to you, your success, I think, is really your, like, energy that you bring. And, and not many... Um, I don't know many sax players, you know, but it's like a lot, I would assume, just like most musicians, you're kind of behind the scenes. If you're not the singer, you're behind the scenes. Like you're actually more in front of people than the DJ even is, you know, I, or the I MC am, is. Because the yeah. DJ is behind the laptop, <laughs> behind, behind the facade. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I feel bad about it if I'm too overpowering, but then yeah. but then I take a step back and realize, all right. Well, my bride and groom booked me to do exactly that and to go crazy. Dude, who cares about anybody the center else of attention? Yeah, so, it. so I I think about it and go, oh, okay, I'm gonna keep doing exactly what I'm doing. But something I I definitely, um, even though it's not practice in the sense that I play the saxophone or play the piano in my apartment and think about this, but uh, because of the fact that I have the perfect pitch and I play by ear and I know key signatures. And I know house music and pop music. I'm always thinking about the key signature of a new house song that comes out. And I'm thinking just like DJs who make mashups. I've made a few mashups on my own. And I know that it's only a matter of time before I do more of it. Because if I hear a house song in E flat major, I'm going to immediately think of other vocal riffs that are in either E flat major or C minor, which is the circle of fifths, the circle of fifths yeah. that go along with it, or something that might be half a step up mm-hmm. or below that could work with it. And that also helps me on the dance floor to play random riffs that people recognize. They don't, they might not know where they've heard it from. For example, not many people besides DJs are going to know the name Kerncraft. That's the oh, 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 like that. Riff. Okay, no, I think I know what you're talking about. We yeah, are yeah, Penn yeah, State. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. It's the Penn State fight song. Anyway, Kerncraft, I think, is the zombie nation is the name of the song. I no, not many people know that, but I'm going to play it on the dance floor at the right time in whatever key the song is in at a random time. Yeah. I'm also going to play the riff of. A lot of other type of house songs. I might even know Animals by Martin Garrix isn't really played anymore. Oh, what a great riff, though. I might just randomly play that riff. And I'm not encouraging 
any other sax players to do what I do. You know, I'm not encouraging to do that. That That's just what works for me. Yeah. And as more songs keep evolving and keep coming out, I'm going to find new ways to riff off them. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with an exact jazz technique that's taught in a book. It's yeah. kind of just what I feel, what I've practiced, not in my bedroom, but on the dance floor that works. Yeah. And I think that's that's a good point that you brought up. I'm just practicing in in another way. You're I mean, you've created something new. I mean, there's other people who do what you do. I would assume I've never seen them, but I assume maybe there is. But yeah, you're actually creating the the more you think about what it is or what it isn't, the less you get away from it. So you got to just it's just like this is the most analysis you should do on it. You know, it's like now let's just do it. Right. Um, but you brought up um, a couple important songs. Um, but I want to know, like, I love this conversation. I've seen I started DJing when I was 17. So now I'm 24. So, yeah. I guess eight years ago or something like that, give or take, you know? And we were playing, we talked about this on the phone. We were playing Jordan Belfort a lot, a lot. But guess who we were DJing for? 17 year old, 16. We did a lot of whiteouts. We did a lot of high school parties, um, a lot of backyards. We built our own stage because people would knock over all of our shit. And man, I mean, yeah, hip hop was, was it? Um, R&B is it's actually very surprising how much R&B has grown since then. But what are you like what do you, how do you look at this kind of, you know, state that music not the full state of music now but like really how it's evolved over time because when we were in middle school it was 2010s, right? Like 20 2000s 2010s. But the songs the songs that were popping 15 years ago were actually the songs everybody wanted to hear 15 years ago. Like they were the songs that were popular and then you would also dance to those songs. Then hip hop took over, which we may be seeing the decline of now in terms of hip hop and popular culture. But none, you couldn't dance to those songs. So that I don't know if that's a correlation or causation, but it's like the hip hop that became popular, it went from party music almost on purpose, I would say, like you like old Drake and stuff like that to your little Johns to like it's that's party music. To then being more of just braggadocio rap, and you can't dance or really party to that. So I think that gave a good lane for EDM probably about five years ago ish. That EDM came in. It's it's now yeah bar and club scene totally, um, but it didn't rise to the top of popular culture. And then like R and B and pop like kind of slid in and started, and now is coming now is taking the top, you know? So I don't know, man. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because there's some, especially with uh, playing weddings for uh, anyone who's between the ages of 26 and 31, grew up with relatively the same music as me. You're going to play some throwbacks. Uh, you're going to play The Spins by Mac Miller. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to love it. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going to love it. But there's certain songs that, you know, especially my college years, uh, you play anything by Fetty Wap. You play. Let's go. My senior year. I was actually in high school. <laughs> and we bang, bumped that, dude. Yeah, trap Queen. Literally, <laughs> Trap Queen, 679, any yep. of those work. Um, you can play My Senior Year was when Migos got really pop. Bad and Bougie was number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That that can work at a wedding. It can definitely work at yeah. like a 
you know, a bar mitzvah. Maybe Later in the more. night, it could work. But, but I think uh, I definitely hear less uh, modern hip hop and I hear more throwback hip hop. Whereas I hear modern house music uh, and I hear throwback house music, but I'm definitely still at weddings going to hear any, pretty much any wedding I do. I'm going to hear I'm good by David Guetta and BB Rexa that came out literally last year, but it's going to be continuously played Mm -hmm. because it is such a massive song and it's not over, over, over played to the point where it's annoying, like blurred lines. How tired of you of Uptown Funk? Uptown Funk. Be just coming in with the hitters today, dog. I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. Some DJs have a really good remix of it, um, like a redrum. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't re- think I have a good redrum on that one. Redrums are my favorite. And for anybody who define it, yeah. doesn't know what a redrum is, it's basically taking an existing song, pop, uh, you know, classic from the '60s, '70s, whatever, and putting a new beat behind it. That makes it more modern and more fun. So my mom going to a wedding who hears her favorite 70s disco song might still get to hear her 70s disco song and might recognize the song and sing along to it. But she's not going to real if she's not a music person, she's not going to realize that there's a four on the floor Mm kind of beat behind it. But for me playing your wedding, it's going to make it easier for me because I enjoy playing to something that has a constant beat behind it it's more fun it's more entertaining and it just it just enhances the vibe so much so any dj out there who plays edits to songs um is in my book i love it that much more it's so fun and it makes me more entertained to entertain Mm -hmm. other people yeah man i think um i actually like i said i've been djing this long I've had redrums in my like in my library, but I never played them. Um, I was very a very traditional wedding DJ in a sense that everybody danced the whole time, like that's always the goal, right? But I was playing regular versions of songs, and I still do. Um, some redrums don't work. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't always work. There's transition tracks, and some of those work, some of them don't, which is basically taking one song and then and then changing the bpm of it during the song the song does it by itself anyway too technical but yeah man i've now really came along to the redrums what i have found is that people either love them or hate them people either want them or don't want them like if you're like 70 years old you don't want it but like you said by the time you know that it's happening you don't really know i played a thunderstruck one where it was literally like a hip-hop beat behind thunderstruck and the guy was living his life I mean, he tipped me to play the song. That's which sick. Never happens, dude. It was insane. He tipped us like a hundred bucks just to play this one song. That's never happened to me before. By the way, if you do that, you're a god. Um, yeah, shout, alcohol shout was out. definitely flowing. That this uh-huh. guy said he was on his second <laughs> bottle of the day. Wow. <laughs> there, you there you go. Legend. He said, "I'm a very successful businessman, and I'm my second bottle of the day." I'm gonna, here you get. Can you guys play Thunderstruck? <laughs> he didn't know though that's, he also that's forgot hilarious. that I played it and asked me to play it again but he was fucked up <laughs> <laughs> that happens that that happens I've heard that where uh, someone not the bride and groom but like another random guest will come up to the DJ and say hey can you play this and they'll be like I played it and they'll be like I didn't hear it well maybe you were in the bathroom yeah <laughs> like, have you have you left the room at all or what I, no that happens to me dude it's tough you're not take like you said people do ask you for a request but you just say i'm not the dj i can't say that because i am so i have to what i tell people is if it fits i'll play it yes that's all 
So then that gives me the out. So I don't have to play if your request is, request is terrible. I'd say probably 60 to 70% of requests don't work. But there is a 30%. There are certain people. You know, these. there's these people in society that like walk around and they could be DJs. They just don't have all the skills. But the things that they do have is the mind for it. And so if you're playing something, you'll get a random person that comes up in your wedding and says, can you play this next? And it's perfect. And their mind just formulated that. And they just understand something kind of subconscious that's going on. You know, that's that rarely happens, but sometimes it happens. But anyway, I think it's kind of just why I'm very curious to see what how this kind of begins to unfold, because we have our generation that you just mentioned. By the way, I'm 24, but all my friends are 26. Like I'm in that. I was always young for kind of my grade level. And so I'm in that, like, if you play the Little Johns and the Good Feelings and all that stuff, like, that's my all my shit, right? Like, we got that. Um, you know, some punk stuff, too, like the classic punk stuff. Like, you could play that, too. That'll be, like, the end of the wedding for me. Um, I'm in there. But the newer kind of generations, when, when I do, you know, a Sweet 16 or maybe a prom or something like that, like, you met, we mentioned that song, Boy's a Liar, when mm -hmm. we were talking on the phone, right? Like, I don't even know this song. I, I can't even formulate it in my head right now because it just doesn't stick. It's not... It's not really a, I guess it's like a pop song, but it's not really R&B. It's not really rap. It's not, it's just a song that if you said to me, this song is what they're going to dance, all want to, they're not even dancing. It's like dancing's over, dancing's for TikTok. We don't dance, we jump. We jump and sing. Our generation and above, we dance mm -hmm. terribly. But we dance and this, the younger, maybe they'll move. I don't know. Do you think they'll evolve into us and then eventually, or do you think this is a new stage of, <laughs> of, of entertainment? So, so interesting to think about. I, I think, I think there's a few things. I think, especially in the, uh, you know, 2010s generation, there were a lot of songs that had dances to it. You got cranked at, you got John uh, Wall, true. you got, you got jerk. Soldier you got, boy. Yeah. Yeah. You got all that kind of stuff that we actually had synchronized dances to forget about line dances, not even bringing that into but, it, not mentioning that not worth it. Hate them. End of discussion. Hate them. <laughs> but I think that with everything in life, with fashion, with music, with ideas, everything gets cycled. It just depends on how long, um, you know, it takes. So I do think the 16 year olds who jump up and down to ice spice and whoever, boys a lot whatever that kind of stuff is mm -hmm. eventually they're going to grow up they're going to be 28 going to weddings and they're going to actually dance like adults to little john to little john <laughs> yeah <They, laughs> like we do <laughs> they're still gonna they're gonna party they're gonna break it down yeah. just like we do yeah but they're not going to just jump as much but that's what they do now yeah totally i guess I, it must just be their energy levels you know it must just be that. That um, track is uh, Pink Panthers and Ice Spice. That Ice and Spice, yeah, the, yeah. I think and the other factor here is like social media, TikTok. Like I, the first time I heard that song, it yep. was on a reel. You know, like yep. I think that the songs that are very popular um, and cycled through um, reels um, tend to but be. But they, and they think, sorry to cut you off, B, but they think they want it, but they don't want it that bad because they want it for 30 seconds and they want to sing it like they sing it in their head while they're listening to a TikTok. Right. Because they don't know what it's like to dance with a hundred other people. And it's very selfish 
to want to hear your TikTok song. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. like at a wedding, everybody, everybody understands. That's why like 16-year-old kids just sit on their phones at weddings. Because they don't understand it's a collective thing. It's not just for you. So I think they're still stuck in that it's just for me because I want this for in my head. You know, mm-hmm. that's a sure. great point, though. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. Social media. I mean, just over the past few years with TikTok and how many uh, creators have been discovered through TikTok and just the fact that the billboard charts now are based. Up, I, I swear to God, yesterday I went to the billboard top charts because I was curious what is in the top 10 now. I was Let's wondering that if up. it's okay. I was wondering if it was a lot of the new Barbie soundtrack songs. It's it's interesting that it's still like last night by Morgan Wallen flowers from by Miley Cyrus, which was like March. I think flowers is still in there. Dude, so, the charts are looking fucking dusty. right? And now, there were dude. so many songs that I actually didn't recognize. And I was like, it's not us. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's not There's us. a song by is it is it Jungkook? Is Jungkook. that the name? Um, uh, one of one right of the, now the top the number one song on Hot 100 year end charts is that the oh this is 2022 excuse me no you're good yeah, if you if you type in like Billboard Hot 100 I'm pretty sure I, the number one song is uh, might not be Jungkook or I don't even know if I'm saying that name <laughs> right but um, a K-pop star I'm pretty oh yeah sure yeah, yeah. well that's that's song. like the Boys the Liar song where it's like these are obscure things that like nobody. Like, who even listens to that? But it's all the internet-based stuff, you know? Yeah, but a- apparently, there's probably billions of people that do listen to K-pop. Uh, but but uh, country, I'm even though yeah, I'm not a, a huge, huge, diehard country fan, I respect that certain artists like Morgan Wallen and Jason Aldean yeah. and, you know, Luke, Luke Combs, they're Love bringing Luke it Combs, back yeah. into the top 10, top 20. Yeah. Um, it could be also because it's summertime. So country vibes a lot of the time it's you know can be major chords happy songs country edm is now a thing i've been seeing tiktoks Uh, djs make mashups with them interesting country edm is diplo and sturgill simpson if you've heard that one Um, i've heard and there's a female vocalist on it too i don't know if i know that song but i know diplo's had eps of he just did one sturgill's on there um paul cawthon i believe is on it um there's a couple other guys. Yeah, so country right now, there's a few s- different s- like uh, sections of country. You have the Morgan Wallen's pop country. There's a spectrum of country. There's Morgan Wallen and 808s, and then there's like kind of just a a, a version of of old, old school country, but with much better equipment. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and that's the spectrum. And some people, I actually like the whole spectrum. What my buddy's getting me into now is Hank Williams Jr. Oh, wow. Like all of the real country. Classic. Because I think, I do believe that, first of all, okay, this has opened my entire mind since we're on this subject. There is, this happens with everything, but I heard on an, on a some kind of YouTube interview or something, this guy, I don't know who he is. We can f- try to find the clip or somebody will find it, but he said that he was talking about hip hop, right? And he said that the reason people don't understand hip hop, I'm paraphrasing, is because they don't know how to listen to it. And I think if anybody says, uh, I just don't like country, but you've never tried to listen to it, right? You don't know how to listen to it. And so I think in this kind of whole exploration and talking about music, you have to, not that you have to, if you want, you can get into a genre and hate it. If you, just set out to try to learn how to listen to it. My example is The Grateful Dead. I would listen to The Grateful Dead and be like, 
I don't know why this is so popular. Like, it's just not that, it just doesn't connect with me. But I tried. I went all the way back to 1970. I put on Jerry Garcia. You know, I put on songs that are eight minutes long. You can go on a 30 minute drive and listen to three songs. And I'm starting to understand it because there's songs within the songs. And there's just, there's so much to it that you can't explain with words. This is the limit of the words that, you know, you can use to explain it. But it's like, you can really, if you take yourself out of it and just try to just listen, just listen. Like, what's this guy talking about? Or don't just have it on the background. Eventually, you may not understand it, quote unquote, but at least you can appreciate it. And I think there's a lot like I think there's a lot of that going on. And even with me, too, dude, I was never a country fan. I found country probably like my mom was always a country fan. Dixie Tricks. I grew up on that type of shit. But um, I wasn't a country fan until I found this guy named Tyler Childers. Starting to listen to him and Sergio Simpson probably like five years ago. Ever since then, man. But now I listen to Hank Williams Jr. And I'm like, I- I'm really not getting it. It kind of has to come to you a little bit, you know, at the same time. But there's an appreciation there. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you gave yourself a chance to actually sit down and listen to something new and try it out and just be patient and open minded. Because yep. I think that's the biggest thing with anything. But people are not open minded to other perspectives, other ideas, other songs, other artists. It's true. If they want what they want and they're going to stay that way unless they're changed. And I, I think a lot of uh, people are influenced by, you know, in music by their friends and especially oh, in yeah. college and high school, what their friends are listening to, what's cool, what's popular. And that's you. And obviously now with TikTok, what's popular is yeah. what TikTok is, because if you're a high schooler, yeah, your parents are going to tell you you're getting good grades and you're going to college in most cases. But the kids, they want to be TikTokers. They want to be TikTokers and they want to make content for a living and get paid to do it and not go to college. And Mm. I don't think when, I mean, I know for a fact when I was in high school, I wasn't thinking like that because that was not a possible career back then. YouTube was, but how many, you know, that was not practical being the next, I don't know, I don't know, trying to think Fousey Tube or yeah, PewDiePie. PewDiePie. That's not practical. It can happen, yep. but it's not, there's not a clear We path. didn't even realize those people have, were doing, were getting paid. Yeah. Right? Like 70% of the audience didn't even know that. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, this guy just probably doesn't, uh, he must have a regular job too, you know? It's like, making and then you see you made making, dude. We had a really interesting Mr. Beast conversation the mm. other day. I'm not going to like rehash, but um, yeah, when you look at that, you're like, okay, there's levels to fucking everything. Um, Even when I look at this podcast, you know, I'm like, okay, now we're going to monetize it, you know, like now we're going to, because why not? Yeah. If it, it'll make it better. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, um, but that's a whole nother conversation. But what, is there anything on the billboard B that's, uh, stands out or that yeah, we I'm even looking know at it right or? now? Um, there, so th- we got some country songs on there right now that the top song at the moment is called try that in a small town, I believe. Yeah. So there's a uh, little Jason Aldean. So this Aldean, just because you mentioned it, there's a little bit of controversy around this song now. Now, the reality is this. If you make a country song, there will be controversy now because people will think that they know what you're talking about when you're making art. 
And dude, if people will buy a fucking painting for $5 million, nobody gives a fuck about that. But you make a song where you just cherry pick a meaning that you chose and then you get mad about it. It's like, yeah, bro, that's fucking not that's not you're taking you're 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 looking at the Bible. Literally, Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. Right. It's like the logic doesn't extend to other things. It will only just extend to this one. Jason Aldean, he's a terrible person. He was talking about slavery. Blah, blah, blah. They're upset it's, with yeah. their own interpretation of the That's song. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it also doesn't have to mean anything at all either. Bro, I don't get mad at gibberish. fucking songs. <laughs> I don't get mad at songs. I don't go like, dude, this fucking song, I'm pissed. Like, who, what? Like, I just don't mm-hmm. have the time in the day. But, but yeah, know. top three, I'm, I believe are all country. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last Crazy. night, Morgan Wallen, that's number two. And then Fast Car, Luke, Hol- uh, Luke Holmes, that's three. So, that's a great cover. Yeah, great, great cover. cover. I didn't actually never listen to the Tracy Chapman song. Mm, I know it. What's funny is I am, I guess I'm ignorant. I never even knew the Tracy Chapman one until Jonas Blue back in like mid 2000s did like when that kind of chill house, like the Kygo kind of vibes were really popular, 2014, 15 ish. Um, there was a Jonas Blue who's a DJ who had a version of Fast Car. That's the first time I heard that. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Tracy Chapman's a goat, dude. She's great. Her voice is incredible. Action Bronson did a... What's the other song that she's really famous for? Ain't no reason to stay here. Oh, oh. Isn't that... Yeah. I won't keep saying Uncle Cracker? No, I mean, maybe it's a cover from him. Uh yeah, the other Tracy Chapman oh, song is really popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Action Bronson, which it's not you might be able to find it on YouTube, but he totally like didn't get the rights to it. But he did a rap over it. And that just made me appreciate that song even more, dude. Is it Give Me One Reason? Yeah, give me one yep. reason. Yeah. Such a fucking banger, dude. It's catchy. Dude, once catchy. we get our deal with Spotify, mm-hmm. we will be locked in. We'll be able to <laughs> oh, Joe Rogan yeah. that shit. <laughs> yes, we could do it, but it's like, I'm going to save Ivan the editing yeah. and also not get pulled from get YouTube. Ripped off save YouTube. your episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice for one song. Google isn't our friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, bro. That's a whole nother fucking conversation. But <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, when it's a lot. There's a lot going on in music, in genres. It's interesting. I love the the... The spectrum. I love trying to like, cause we're so, we're still in our own box, you know. Like you're DJing and like I'm DJing rather in New York, New Jersey, PA, whatever. You're mostly playing New York, New Jersey, PA. Like we're in a bubble here, man. I literally went to Queens the other day and had no idea that Queen. Like I was like, what's Queens? Like it's like there's all these. We are so in our own bubble everywhere, you know. Um, but it's interesting to kind of zoom out. I try to zoom out as much as possible, you know. Do you do any like? meditation or anything like that or any like kind of mindfulness stuff you know anything like that or? i i've been saying for years i need to try meditation i've listened to maybe one or two like i have a spotify 10 minute meditation thing saved where sometimes after i go to the gym and i go in the sauna i'll listen to it or if i'm at the beach just by myself i'll listen to it for a few minutes but really want to get into meditation but something over the past few years that i've been doing in terms of mindset is i listen to jay shetty a lot almost every single podcast love him think his message in this platform is incredibly incredibly beneficial um it's mental health it's physical health it's relationships it's everything um so i listen to that a lot and similar to gary v it's like i'm not gonna listen to every word verbatim and take everything i'm gonna take what i want yep apply it to my life 
and then move on, you know? Yeah. Not treat these uh, influencer celebrity podcast people even you no I'm just kidding like no, I'm not there like, yet but I like hope I god. get I hope I get to the point where people are like dude this guy's the fucking guy dude no I got I got my homies dude shout out to the fucking fans but um no it's it's uh I, I'm really joking because yeah there's like a religious bend there's a re- it's almost becomes like a cult like thing you know when you really idolize somebody so much um and with the internet this is the first time it's ever happened other than like it used to just be people on TV but now there's like millions of them and they all have their own kind of little followings. And yeah, there's some danger to that. Um, I love Jay Shetty. He's great. You know, he, he speaks so just, you know, it's not really the accent. But, you know, his just his tone, you know, it can make me fall asleep, you know. Yeah, I love his stuff for relationship. I don't think there's any good relationship, many good relationship podcasts out there, you know, or even mm-hmm. content in general. I think most of it's just bad. I think a lot of it's like pickup shit. Yep. I So th- this is my hot take. And I actually yesterday... It was my Instagram explore page. I hit a few things and on my Snapchat explore, you know, there's there's, you know, the the public Snapchat stuff that's all clickbait. I hit a few of them because I'm in a healthy relationship now and I get targeted by like, I'm just going to put them on the spot. I I think Barstool, I think Barstool is cool. I I listen to a few things. I think part of my take because I'm a huge sports fan. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Uh, they have a trivia YouTube series that I watch because I love sports trivia and pop culture trivia. But there's too many people that listen to some of the other clickbait type podcasts like Mean Girls Pod and Caller. I like I, I think Caller Daddy's dope now because she left Barstool. And I think she brings on some awesome guests, talks about some awesome mental health and empowering women topics. But I think some of those podcasts and, uh, you know, that that are in a type of bar stool and greater community in, in like a city, it could be pretty toxic because especially when I was single listening to all these TikToks of this is what you should do on a first date. This is what you should not do on a first date. Five tips for you, you know, five red flags to look for. Similar. I'm going to compare it to music and compare it to a wedding. One couple's must played songs are going to be another couple's do not play songs and vice versa. Dating and the other topic, it's the same fucking thing. There is no right or wrong solution. Just trust yourself. Be yourself. Don't worry about, you know, this person should split on date five. You shouldn't wear a flannel on a first date. Like, all these clickbait things are driving me absolutely nuts that I had to hide a few things because I was like, I do not Let's, need to. You want to get. Yeah, go for I it. I know Bob fucked that one up. The flannel one probably. You probably rocked the flannel on a first date. I don't <laughs> flannel on a first date. I don't <laughs> care. Dude, I probably first, second, third, fourth, fifth. It's the winner. It's <laughs> my jacket. The flannel. The flannel. Just let's zoom in on a flannel. Okay. A flannel is a layer that you have. You can have a shirt under it. Right. Even a, 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 a wife beater. Whoa. Under it. Yeah, that's what it's fucking called. <laughs> God. We get it fucking riled up about anything these days, Jason. Crazy. So you can have any type of shirt under it. And then what you get to do is you get to say you're a little hot. You unbutton it. You roll up the sleeves. You still look like a not a complete savage, you know, because mm-hmm. you got a little, you know, you still got a button down shirt on. Then if you get a little colder, oh, it's a little chilly. I'll button it up. But I still got my sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Or give it to her. Well, no, but her I'll give her my jet. No. <laughs> Bro, wear no. your own fucking precipitation clothing, dude. I, I, w- I would, I would actually do that. I don't know. Actually, 
Nah, I feel like my girlfriend has her own. She's not a flannel person, bro. No. Nah, she's. I wish, kind of wish she was, but you also want to have. You don't want to have two flannel people in the relationship because that's now. Now we're kind of. That's too similar, you know. You want to have a one flannel and one like. Eh, I'm not a farm boy, you know. Yep. Um, but I'll um. You know, you got these gears, you know, and then if you go outside, now I roll all the window or the windows, <laughs> I roll all the sleeves up, I'm buttoned up, and now I got like a good protective layer for the outside. So a flannel is the fucking cheek. Flannel coat. sleeves are windows to the soul for Bob. Windows to the soul. Windows to the soul. I wanted to say though, if you're getting your fucking relationship advice from like Barstool or some shit, then you're not da- dude, if you're watching Andrew Tate, if you're getting your relation your dating advice from Barstool, you're not dating. No. <laughs> so why watch it it's like dude if you got a date it wasn't because of any of that <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying none of those things work that's a, and and the problem with this because i can say this because i don't give a fuck is that um there's there's things that these people say that are actually good that's the issue it's like andrew tate could give you good advice on something but then he's giving you like all this shit advice advice too right so it's like that's the problem. You can't like back to the th- like treating people like gods, dude. It's like we can't do it. We have to take people at face value. Perfect example. I've listening, been listening to Joe Rogan for probably fucking five or ten years, right at this point. But if I was like, yeah, man, I'm b- double down. Like, fuck vaccines. Fuck that. Like everything he says is he's real. He's the real truth. He's the real media. No, he's not. He's just a guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's a guy with a massive platform and a ton of money. Like, I need to be objective about that, you know? So I think that's what happens with these people. First of all, Jason, they got no direction, right? So they don't have passions. Like, they just haven't found their thing yet. So it makes it really hard. That's why they latch on to these influencers, because they don't have the guy in their life to, you know, kind of steer them in the right direction or an older brother to look up to or, like, maybe their parents are split and they don't feel like they can talk to either of them or, like, there's these you know, very specific situations that put people that make people vulnerable to these kind of influencers. And I've followed a lot of these people, you know, feel like I wouldn't be where I'm at without Gary Vee. You know, it's a cliche thing, but I started a business and I'm doing it and I'm running it and it's working. Okay. Well, that was good motivation for me. It gave me some tips, some motivation, but then I went out and did it. You know, like if you are constantly watching these things, like you're probably not really doing anything, you know, it comes back. It literally comes all the way back to the beginning. The best teacher is going to be the experience and the practice. You don't need to watch a pickup artist. All you need to do is go talk to people. Don't try to pick them up. If you try to pick up a girl, she's not going to want to be with you. If you try to not, right? And now I'm getting into the advice, right? But like, this is the reality. Like, if you want something to happen, if you try to force it, it's definitely not going to happen, right? So it's like the opposite of all the advice is actually good advice, right? Or probably the better advice. But um, yeah, you got to think like, hey, maybe this guy's running like an internet, you know, scheme to like get me to buy his course or something. Maybe it's not all, you know, sound advice, but. Exactly. And people also just say things because they know that if the more outlandish and the more sta- if if you are a content creator and you have a podcast or whatever and you have a polarizing viewpoint. Yeah it's going to get more clicks and more headlines and everything. So that's where all these, you know, TikTokers come in to play. Mm. And that's why I have to, that's why I had to actually go and hide stuff because I know myself that if I get into a trap of scrolling, I'm going to keep scrolling. So it's better to, I need to use social media because Mm. it's part of my job to continue to post content from events and other stuff. Cause how are people going to find me? You know, that's, 
a lot, most of my clients do find me on social media. Yep. Um, but it does not mean that I need to continuously scroll and watch what other people are doing. Yep. I need to live my life, realize how lucky I am to live the life that I want to live and just keep doing that and stop worrying about any other advice besides the advice that I actually care about, which is my own and the people who matter to me the most. Mic drop right there, dude. <laughs> I want to say though, like the too much advice is always worse than not enough. That's it. Lean into yourself. If you can't make the decision, then maybe it's not the right time to make it, but you need to make it, whatever that decision is. In terms of your career, do you look towards the future in terms of like, I would love to be doing these weddings in 10 years or 15 years? It's kind of a you know, big question, but um, do you have, maybe I'll posit it in a different way, which is, do you have other aspirations within sax playing and entertainment and what you're doing other than what you're doing now? That's a, this is a great question. I, I think about it a lot. Um, and when I think about it a lot, I definitely get stressed out because even though I'm thankful that what I'm doing right now is working, I do think about the future. Like we talked about earlier, the future is going to change. It's never going to stay the same. And I love what I do so much in the present. And I'm thankful to be able to work on the weekends, but still have several weekends off, not because I'm not booked, but that I choose to not be booked to spend with my friends, with my girlfriend, you know, go on a trip, go on a vacation and not worry about necessarily playing a wedding. Um, and I want that to continue. I know though that if I get to the point where I want to have a family at some point in the future, it's only going to get harder to plan activities and trips and all these things. And as anybody who works on the weekends in any sort of event industry will say, you, you kind of, you can't have it both ways. I know that for right now I've been, um, you know, prioritizing what's most important to me. Obviously I need to pay the bills. Mm. So I still need to do majority of weekend work needs to be work. But I know that as much as I can control it, I will, but other areas that I really want to explore. Um, I really want to, even though uh, the trajectory is a little bit riskier and it's not as set in stone as playing a wedding. Uh, I do enjoy the thought of one day getting on stage with a massive DJ like a Calvin Harris or a Diplo or a Steve Aoki, them bringing me out and saying, you guys ready for the fucking essential Jason Nelson? And I get up there and I do exactly what I do now. When the moment comes for something like that, I won't be nervous. I'm more so, uh, you know, excited for the possibility. But I will say that years ago, Probably when I was talking to you in 2019, I was, and this is going to get real deep, but I was like, if I die tomorrow, I feel like I didn't do all that I want to do. If God forbid I died tomorrow, I'd be a lot happier with where I'm at than where I was four years ago. And that means that I gave something a shot. So even if I never get to the place where I perform with a Calvin Harris, with a Diplo, whatever, it's okay because I do genuinely enjoy the balance and I'm also afraid of, you know, Drake says the top 
is lonely or whatever but that quote is from that song um i get nervous by the amount of effort and the amount of uh sacrifices i would have to make to get to a different level than i'm at now and i'm scared that i would lose the relationships in my life that are most important to me i talk to my friends and my family and obviously my girlfriend every day and i'm I have the free time to be able to do that. And I worry that if I got to a level and a career that I was traveling multiple times a week, every single week, I worry what is on the other side. And I really, really enjoy the balance of it all right now. So complicated answer, but I guess time time is going to play itself out. Yeah, yeah, time's going to do its thing. No, I think that's the best advice that you can give is what you just said which is how you're looking at it in your head you know because you can be like all right everybody if you want to get started here's the steps like you can do that i've been that guy before but i think at least how i learn is i learn from understanding how people think you know and then i could kind of apply it to me so yeah man i mean i'm learning from you you know no, um, thanks, man. I think I'm the learning same. from you. Yeah, brother. That's it, man. I'm learning from Brandon. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. learning from you guys. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think about it every day, dude. Where's it going to go? Where's podcasting going to take me? You know, um, would I want to travel? Would I want a gig like that? Um, would I want to be an artist and like, you know, sell tickets and do that and go across the country? It's like, yeah, man, it's a lot. It's so many things that, to think about, you know, but the good thing is all of us, us three can say, and for people listening to this podcast too, like, if you get this far in the episode, like you do want to do something, whether you're doing it now or you're going to do it in the future, like you want to do something like you want to do something that makes you feel like actually fulfilled and not just paying the bills. Um, And if you want to do that, you're going to make those sacrifices. But then I've realized, too, I'm like, maybe I'm not the guy to run a five million dollar business, but I have to work 18 hours a day and I've barely any relationships left. Right. Sounds really cool to be that guy. But I know a lot of those guys and they're not all living the life that I want would see myself living, you know, so you could see it on the other side of the fence. Um, but this was a lot of fun today, man. This this was awesome. I, I, I appreciate you having me on for the second time. Definitely. There will have to be a third time. Oh, I, I think, yeah, I crossed out maybe about half. I'm another <laughs> 50% of this that I got toward, while we were talking. So um, everything from down to the specifics of exactly who's um weddings of popular reality show individuals that <laughs> leave them on a clickbait for next time but maybe um, some to come yeah uh, many to come dude and you i can see you standing on stage um i'm a big uh shit what is this guy's name i'm gonna have to think i have his name in my head he's a dj i'll, I'll move on it i'll move on but uh but i'll have to james hype he's one of my favorites james hype Do you, you got have... the beard just like him yeah he's jack too huge yeah, he's like fucking. I'm like, bro, you and James hype would be. I would cry. <laughs> I would cry. I that see it nuts. though. I see it, dude. You, I mean, you're there. You're at the level, and now it's just time and consistency. I, time, I consistency, it, and that's how luck's created, man. And that's how opportunities are made, bro. But uh, let people know where they can find you, social media, how they can book you. Um, if you have a link too, I'll throw it in the in the show notes too. Sure, sure. So if you go on my social media, pretty much. All of my social media is at Essential Jason Nelson or something like that. Um, my Instagram is probably what I use the most. 
on my Instagram, the bio in the link in the bio has all of my other links as well, including my booking form. Um, I will say that when I get inquiries through DMs and people ask me, hey, what's what's your rate? What do you charge with no information? I, I can't work off that. Uh, so that's why I uh, whoever it is, I um, I was, re- you know, I refer people to my contact form. So I have all the information there uh, and then I can see if I'm available and if we can make it work. Perfect, man. Brother B, anything else for the grade J? No, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, man. No, thank you. This this was sick. And for all the listeners, enjoy the rest of the summer. Seriously, take advantage of the or the weather. rest of the year. We don't know when this is coming out. Sorry. Oh, that is very <laughs> true. It it could you be Christmas it. time. Who who knows? We but don't know. Enjoy enjoy it all. Uh, keep staying open minded. Keep doing what you're doing, and trust yourself. It's gonna work. That's it. He charges $100,000, just so you guys know. It's six figures <laughs> to book him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bobcast today. We had the essential Jason Nelson. Find all of his links below. We also had Brother B on the production today, the great video extraordinaire. And uh, make sure that you subscribe and follow on all of your platforms, whether that's Spotify, Apple, um, or YouTube as well. Make sure you leave us up to a five-star review on that those platforms as well, because we do this completely free for you. And as you know, we're on every single platform, even the ones nobody uses. And we'll see you on the next one. All right. Peace.